You have just downloaded the Barbecue Central Show, which airs live every Tuesday from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Show is brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, creators of automatic pit temperature control technology. They can be found at thebbqguru.com or call them 800-288-GURU. And by the CHOPS Power Injector System, the 2015 Barbecue Tool of the Year at the NBBQA. Find them at barbecuekansascity.com. And by Butcher Barbecue. From injections to rubs to sauces, always trust your butcher at butcherbbq.com. And by Big Papa Smokers, your one-stop online shop for everything and anything that has to do with barbecue. Their website is BigPapaSmokers.com And by CookShack Pellet and Electric Grills Visit them at PelletCooker.com Or CookShack.com Or call them 800-423-0698 And by Cookin' Pellets You can buy Cookin' Pellets At CookinPellets.com You can also visit Amazon.com To purchase as well and by Green Mountain Grills, some of the best pellet grills on the market today. You can visit them at GreenMountainGrills.com. Hi, I'm Johnny Dam, host of the Damage Report radio show. When I'm not falling in love with the First Amendment all over again, I like to sit back, relax, and rub my meat to the Barbecue Central show. And now your host, Greg Rempe. Go, Greg. Yeah, rub that meat. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. All right, good evening, and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. Broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. Should you see fit? Should you see, should you see fit to jump in on the show tonight? It's a call from your phone 216-220-0966. You can also go to the email if you would prefer. Greg at the BBQ Central Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you need to get the newsletter, which you can sign up for if you hit the main website off to the top right. There is a place to sign up for the newsletter. Just an email. That's all you need. Doesn't get sold. Doesn't get anything like that. So uh, you will get the heads up right around anywhere between 4 and 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on what is going to be happening on the show later that evening. Coming up in about 13 minutes from now, the Sam's Club National Barbecue Series well underway now with a lot of local events coming off. One took place this past weekend in Reno, Nevada, and we'll be talking to the winner, Phil the Grill, Phil Johnson. 
joining me on the show. At 9.35, we've talked a lot about Kale high-level, peripheral stuff. Some thoughts, some reactions to, uh, uh, well, from the top pitmasters out there cooking on KCBS right now. But where did it stem from? That will be put to rest tonight as we will be joined by, I would venture to say, a barbecue legend. The the time in is extensive. The wins are numerous. He's won uh, most of the major competitions that are out there right now taking place during the course of a competition season. John Nilgis, Parrothead Smokers, will be joining us 935 to talk kale. At 1014, we're going by design open segment. We're going to recap my past weekend in Chicago where there was shenanigans, tomfoolery, decadence, and debauchery had by one and all out there in the Windy City. But mostly uh, to recap what happened with Meathead and a bunch of his folks from AmazingRibs.com as we finally got together. So we'll get into a recap there in about an hour. And helping me close the show at 9.35 tonight is the current executive director of the IBCA and owner of Texas Pepper Jelly, Craig Sherry, will be joining us to close it out tonight. So that's what's happening. 216-220-0966, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Please do me a favor. If you are watching the show, send a link, send an email, make a Facebook post, a few different links to send people to my website, thebbqcentralshow.com the longtime video syndication partner of the show. If you want to watch it happen live, OutdoorCookingChannel.com. Don't forget you can watch on Roku or a number of Internet Protocol television platforms as well. And uh, here's the thing. So usually I wear this little thing, the the uh, IFB. That thing goes in my ear. And that way you don't see that the headphones. But I'm trying something new tonight. So please, everybody, I'm asking you, Listen listen judiciously and expeditiously and excellently to the audio volumes. And if you hear any dips, especially when I have a guest on, it doesn't really seem to be happening to my particular channel, but I bring in Skype from the computer and back into the mixer before it's rerouted back into the computer where you hear it. But I need to know if there's dips in the audio, especially when I have guests. Please, if you're in the chat room, just throw them up there. I need to know that. Uh, so I can kind of pinpoint some issues that I've been having here over the last couple of weeks. That's why, uh, in part, I'm wearing these headphone monitors instead of the IFB that I would usually wear like you see the news people wear. That'll probably get, well, once I have it pinpointed, then I'll go back to IFB. It'll look a little bit better. But right now, it's kind of old school television radio kind of a thing with the, the big cans on. Plus, it sounds way better in my ears, but nevertheless. Also, pardon my voice. I am not sick like I was a couple weeks ago. But as I had mentioned, I was in Chicago this past weekend for a volleyball tournament, and there was a lot of cheering going on, and we were I was basically commanded by a lot of the other team moms to cheer as loudly as possible with another dad, and by the time we got done on Sunday evening, I was completely torched. I was literally pooping my pants thinking I was not going to have a voice to do the show tonight. Luckily, it's come back and rallied to a certain degree, so I'll be able to get through without any problem. However, Sunday night and early Monday through most of Monday evening, I was a little trepidatious on if I was going to be able to pull through or not. I got big news, and I'm going to break it right now. A 
Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. That's right. Greg Rempe reporting from the breaking news desk here in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. For years and years, I have wondered how I could possibly get one of these to come on board with the show. And last week... Before I left, almost a week ago, it'll be a week ago yesterday, or a week ago tomorrow, I was finally able to secure the very first beer sponsor of the show. That's right. And a local brewery to boot. It's the 17th State Brewery. This effort that I am holding in my hand is their 17th State uh, Light Kolsch. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure a lot of the beer nerds out there will know what a Kolsch is. It's a it's a lighter beer, a Kolsch, as you can see it right there, K-O-L-S-C-H. I'd never heard of a Kolsch before in my life. Oh, great. Now the color's way off. There we go. I'd never heard of a Kolsch before in my life. The president of the company came over to my house. We had a beer tasting on Wednesday. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw it. They also have an IPA expression. They're coming out. With a different or, or with a with a new kind as well called the uh, Cuyahoga Sunset, which is a Belgian inspired wit style beer made with Liberty hops. It's got the cloudy appearance, unfiltered floral citrus aromas. That's going to be the newest effort. But right now, I am. Uh, Enjoying the Kolsch, and then, as you can see over here in the in the far left, a 17th State Pale Ale. IPAs are very popular right now. So if you're interested, I don't know exactly, you know, since they're local, they're in a lot of brick and mortar and bars and all that stuff here in this state. The website is the number 1717statebrewco, 17statebrewco.com. If you are in the food business and you're looking to have some stuff shipped out to your particular restaurant, maybe you want to start carrying the line, obviously can put you in touch with the people that can make that happen. And really, what do you have to lose? It's a, it's a really good beer, especially, you know, the Kolsch is actually the Kolsch and the IPA are actually in Brown Stadium right now. It was the top seller last season. So congratulations to Christopher Mackey and everybody over there at 17 State Brewing Company. And this is going very well. So, thank goodness it took seven years to finally get a beer sponsor, but we have one, and I'm very happy to have them aboard and local to boot. The Kolsch, the IPA, and then coming is the uh, 17th, 17th State Cuyahoga Sunset Wheat Ale coming down the road. Wow. Again, that website, 17 State, the number, 17. 17statebrewco.com. And again, if you're looking to stock some of that beer in your particular restaurant or barbecue stand or whatever, you can get in contact with me. I can make that introduction to Chris Mackey, and I have no idea how shipping works or legally how that works, but he'll be able to make sure all of that is taken care of in the proper way. Everything is on the legal up and up. And... Again, I'm I'm no craft beer nerd. To me, macro, the bigger the macro, the better. The Genesis, the Budweiser, stuff like that. So if I'm going to compare, the 17th Street Light Kolsch is kind of in a Budweiser sense. 
but I kind of compare it to more of a Sam Adams type of grab you in your mouth. Much fuller flavor. It's great. So very excited to have 17 State Brew Company on board here with the show. Beer sponsor. Everybody wants a beer sponsor. Look, if you didn't know already, Big Papa Smokers is the one-stop online shop for anyone interested in barbecue. The number one dealer of Mac Pellet Grills in the world, Big Papa's Smokers, features a wide selection of American-made grills and smokers, such as the Old Hickory Ace BP, the Gateway Drum Smoker, even a drum kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa Smokers has also made a name for itself in recent years by crafting an award-winning line of championship rubs. From flavors like Sweet Money to Happy Ending, their rubs have had a hand in winning almost every major barbecue competition. However... Don't think that they can just be pigeonholed in competitive barbecue either. BPS rubs have become so well-known that they've been picked up by a nationwide restaurant chain, BJ's Restaurant and Brew House. With four of the nine BPS rubs featured on their permanent menu and amid glowing reviews, BPS rubs are proven to be a great addition to anyone's pantry. Big Papa's also banded together with fellow California-based rub company Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense Defying conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue and begun to redefine the flavor profile that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. Big Papa's website has the meat locker for the American Kobe beef, the curb boot of pork, the double R ranch meats, all from Snake River Farm ship right to your front door. Committed to bringing you the best new flavors on the market, so check their website, BigPapaSmokers.com. And they have created the unique brand ambassador program called the BPS Elite Team, featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country, working together to promote camaraderie, competition barbecue, and a benefit of children's charities across the U.S. Keep in mind that Big Papa Smokers has been able to do all this with only five or six years of being in the business, turning competition barbecue on its head, providing customers with the very best barbecue products, becoming a staple of a nationwide chain, nationwide restaurant chain, and benefiting children's charities across the U.S. It's just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. Again, BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. Coming up out of the break, Phil Johnson from Phil the Grill to recap the big win in Reno, Nevada at the Sam's Club Local. We're off and running. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Check out 17 State Brew Co. if you have a moment as well. We're back right after this. Stick around. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by the 2016 Sam's Club Barbecue Tour. That's right. 31 cities, 500000 in cash, eternal bragging rights if you win the whole damn thing. 
This coming weekend, the Sam's Club Tour rolling into Renton, Washington for a local qualifier to keep up with the Sam's Tour results. See where the next events will be. Or to register your team to compete, visit kcbs.us slash Sam's Tour. Sam's Tour back on board with the show again this year. Man, it's Sam's Tour. It's beer sponsors. Things are going absolutely fabulous. Hey, my first guest tonight was in Reno, Nevada this past weekend, trying his hand at the Sam's Club local qualifier. When the dust settled, he walked out ahead of everyone else, thus punching his ticket to the regional round in Las Vegas, Nevada, near the end of next month. Let's head on over to the hotline, get a, re- a recap of the win from the pitmaster of Phil the Grill. Welcome first-timer to the show, Phil Johnson. Phil, how are you, buddy? All right, man. How's it going with you, man? Uh, absolutely fabulous, Phil. Appreciate you making time for the show tonight. And I guess before we get a little further into the Sam's Club stuff that happened this past weekend, you know, for the folks that don't know you, uh, you know, little info about you. What do you do for a living? Where are you home basing at? Stuff like that. All right. Yeah, man. You know, I've, I've been making a uh, noise in the uh, barbecue circuit. I actually... Just joined the barbecue circuit, uh, KTBS, probably in 2012, uh, originally from the Bronx, New York. I'm actually visiting New York right now as we speak. I'm a contractor, subcontractor by trade, but have the passion for uh, grilling meat, smoked meat. So how do you get into or what is the the kind of the, the gateway for you to get into the competition barbecue scene, Phil? Yeah. So for me, um, you know, it was just the uh, love for cooking, you know, uh, going out in the backyard and doing, you know, my uh, tailgate things, you know. Um, one of my pet peeves uh, that I've been having in the uh, barbecue circuit or just barbecue in general, it's, you know, it's always has to be a certain style of barbecue. You know, you only could cook good barbecue if you came from Memphis or if you're from Georgia or if you have Texas style barbecue. You know, New Yorkers never get no love on the barbecue circuit. You know, what about the uh, tailgaters? What about the backyard guys? You know, we never get any love. You know, you never see anybody like that on Pitmaster. You know, you always have to have a certain style barbecue. So that's my name and claim to fame is just to let people know, uh, you know, you can be a backyard cooker and be a Pitmaster at the same time. You know, I I run a food truck as well. I do big events with – uh, like NASCAR and uh, other things out in the uh, AZ Phoenix Valley uh, and get a lot of support. All right, so let me ask you this, Phil. We're going to diverge here, but you said something spectacular and I want to follow up on Let me play devil's advocate. You say, you know, you see, and I'm a New York guy too, uh, upstate, not a, a city guy. I'm from uh, Saratoga Springs originally and uh, transplanted down here to Cleveland. And you see certain styles or, or certain people out there on the television circuit. You're trying to kind of make a name. So as you're jumping in, I mean, aren't you kind of just falling into the same stuff that you're going to be that you've seen people do now? Or are you trying to put a whole different swing on flavor profiles and, and things of this nature? I'm totally shaking it up. You know, um, they, they called me in the uh, barbecue circuit, the Jay-Z of barbecue. You know, I uh, got that name being from New York, uh, being from New York and a hip hop advocate. <laughs> but um, I'm also with my flavors and uh, the way I'm presenting and things I'm doing is definitely outside the box, not a certain style and, and definitely not from a, a certain area or region. So how do you develop your flavor profile as you're coming in your, you know, two, three years into it at this point, there's a lot of teams that win that give classes. And look, I've said on this show for the, probably the past three or four years, there seems to have been 
a vanilla a vanilla that's not even a word a vanillaing of the flavor profiles where each team seems to be almost similar and the ability to differentiate seems to be so minute now because everybody's kind of turning in the same profile that if you diverge too much from that a lot of people say hey that's putting me at a disadvantage i want to get creative I want to get out of the box, but I'm afraid if I get too crazy, I'm going to get smacked down for that. And it's really kind of expensive for me to go out and kind of throw up what the, you know whatever against the fans, see what sticks, and hope that I'm going to be able to maybe get a call and meet or get an overall award or, or at least make some of that money back on expense. What are your thoughts on that? You know, it, that, that brings up a very good point. You know, it, it definitely competing is a, a expensive um, hobby per se especially if you're not winning, it definitely becomes an expensive hobby, right? So, uh, um, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, if you divert too much, uh, if, if you feel you divert too much from your, uh, the regular flavors that's going and getting turned in, uh, and you're going to, you feel that, you know, it, it's a chance you're taking, I'm with taking that chance. You know, uh, you know I've, I'm with whatever I serve off of my food truck daily, uh, making sure, you know, certain spices um, are profound in my meals. Uh, just knowing that people are coming back and saying, Hey, your food was great. You know, when somebody comes off my line and it comes back and says, Hey, that was the best barbecue I ever had. I tasted nothing like it. I want to be original. You know, I don't want to be that Texas barbecue. You know, how many Texas barbecue um, restaurants you've seen, you know, out there, you know, I, I want to be original, you know, it's claiming the name of fame, you know, like, McDonald's. You only could get McDonald's French fries from McDonald's. You can't get it from Burger King or anywhere else. So with that being said, that's the, that's my ultimate goal, you know? So yes, I'm out there competing and can be an expensive hobby and it could be a cold sideline watching everybody walk and get awards. But you know, you, you definitely want to be original and you want to be that, that backyard guy that, um, you know, I, I call it punching people in the tonsils, punching the judges in the tonsils with that flavor profile. Phil Johnson joining me here on the show, pitmaster of Phil the Grill. Phil, where you come up with the name Phil the Grill? I mean, obviously I can put one and one together, but it's uh, it's kind of unique in its uh, simplicity, I guess. Yeah, uh, Phil the Grill, you know, it was a name given to me when uh, just being in the uh, tailgate scene at sports events and things like that, that they just say, hey, Phil the Grill, it just rhymes, it just flows together. People love saying it. Is it just you on the team, or do you have multiple teammates? No, actually, um, for for the uh, cook, it's myself and then my wife. Uh, she helps me uh, and keeps me focused, uh, definitely with my ADHD. I, sometimes I could uh, venture off and do different things. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Sonny uh, Johnson and then me as well. But that that's that's the total team. Phil Johnson joining me here on the show of Phil the Grill. Phil, you've done Sam's Club this past weekend. You've been in it for a couple of years. Have you done the, the Sam's series in years past, or is this your first foray into it? Uh, no, I actually have done it in the past. Um, uh, the last three years, I, I want to say, I've uh, did the Sam's Club tour. From a competitor's perspective, what's your thought on – what Sam's is doing for the competition scene. And obviously it's specific to KCBS, uh, but you know, how do you feel that they're kind of investing into the competition barbecue world? 
You, you know, I, I love the whole Sam's uh, tour. You know, I think it, it's definitely a good tour to uh, get engaged with and follow. Um, it's when the big players come out and, and play. You know, it was definitely not an easy win at all in Reno. I mean, I, you know, I was, I was telling uh, my wife, Sonny, that, you know, she it was a big playing field. You know, all these guys have GC'd numerous amount of times. And, you know, here, here I'm coming in with a brand-new profile, hopefully, hoping that, that that's what gets it. So let's look at this past weekend, a high-level recap. From your perspective, you know, how, how are the teams kind of loading in? Was there anything out of the ordinary that you had to contend with over the course of the weekend, or was it more or less business as usual as it relates to competitions and how you kind of run the program? You, you know, um, for me, I, I, I got there pretty early. Um, you know, it was a long drive, so I was there uh, first thing in the morning, and then the uh, uh, other teams have followed in after. Um, you know, Sam's Club is always a tight venue. You don't really get to uh, venture out too further, too far in the parking lot. Uh, it's kind of real tight niche. Um, everybody was pretty much on their best, good behavior. It wasn't a whole lot of uh, noise. So I want to say, you know, this was a definitely tense event. You know, it wasn't a whole lot of partying through the night and stuff. What are you cooking on? Um, you know, I have a, a FEC uh, 100. You know, I was kind of limited with what I could bring up uh, to uh, Reno because that was like a 10-hour drive coming from Phoenix. But uh, I have a FEC 100. And then also a Green Mountain Grill. All right, so you're a pellet guy. When you started, were you pellet guy to begin with, or is that something you've morphed into over the, the couple of years you've been in it? No, actually, um, I, I started out as a pellet guy. Uh, uh, Bam Bam, um, you know, he, he was the one who sold me my first pellet grill from uh, Barbecue Island, and uh, I've been a uh, pellet guy ever since. You see a lot of offset and, and stick burner type pits and certainly pellets had their, you know, I think pellets, pellets overall have, have remained fairly popular, but I, I did see kind of a, a swing or a skew up to those jambos and some of the other, you know, higher name offset stick burning. Is, is that something you would ever want to get into or are you pretty satisfied with how those pellet cookers are treating you? You know what? On the competition scene, I think the uh, pellets is definitely um, a way to go. Uh, you can get a good night's sleep and still, uh, you know, kick butt in the morning. I On my food truck, I actually have a uh, Lang 60 Deluxe that I cook on as well. So I'm not um, scared of the uh, stick burners. I use them. But it's, you know, uh, just for packing and getting out there and uh, doing what you need to do on the uh, in the competition field. I, I say pellets is definitely the way to go, and a lot of people now are using those uh, those gateway drums too. You know, those are very compact. Let me ask you a question, Phil. When you said you had a Lang, and, and I find that interesting because on my back deck I have a number of pellet cookers. I have I have a Lang thirty six patio. I have some gas cookers. You know, all things of this nature. Do you think it's important for somebody starting out that they do have some type of a experience in live fire management. So when you have the pellet cookers, you know, I mean, you plug it in, you start it as long as it's full of pellets, you can set that temperature and it's kind of going the way through it. But to kind of evolve as a pit master, do you think that it's worthwhile for somebody to go out and whether it be uh, charcoal fired with 
woodchuck supplement for wood smoke or a straight fire burner. Do you think it's important at some point that they gain that experience to know how to operate a, a live fire? Oh, totally. Um, you know, I, I, you know, a couple of my friends, you know, they want to get into the competition field. You know, I always tell them to, you know, definitely get, you know, one of those, uh, start off with one of those Weber smokers, you know, uh, one of those bullets, you know, just to get that fire management under your belt and then, you know, just evolve from there. Uh, but yeah, definitely you got to get that fire management down. Um, and I got a couple of tricks up my sleeve that I use on my pellets to get that same smokiness and, and flavor out there as well. All right, so let's look at your individual results here from this past weekend. And, I mean, you did fantastic as you kind of look over the categories. Chicken, you get second place overall. Are you uh, a guy that is in love with cooking chicken? Or, you know, there, there seems to be two schools. They either love it or they hate it. Where do you kind of fall out? <laughs> you know, I, my, my chicken, uh, I, I hate cleaning it and trimming it like everybody else does. But uh, um, other than that, I mean, as far as cooking it, I'm pr- I'm pretty good with uh you know the cook um I have it down to where um I I know what I'm doing with it and um you know and with the pellet smoker and actually that's where I use the Green Mountain uh, uh Daniel Bone for that because it's just more of a consistent tight feel in that uh cooker. Did you think you had second place chicken? Was it that good? Uh yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely. I had I, you know I cooked 12 pieces and um, I I had these one I had six pieces in one pan and six pieces in another pan. The six pieces I told my wife I was like this is definitely competition chicken right here. But we couldn't even t- taste them. We just had to put them in the box and just go with it. So we tasted the other six that I was like ah they okay. But we were uh, I I just knew by looking at it that that was definitely uh, competition chicken right there. Ribs, you get seventh overall, so uh, you're, you remain in the top ten. You almost win chicken. I mean, you're, you're right there with a seventh and win. Uh, seventh and ribs, everybody would take that all kind of all day long. Uh, so you got to feel pretty good that the cook is progressing pretty nice. Uh, did you think you were top ten ribs there? You know, I, w- I was thinking my ribs was a little dry, honestly. Um, I've been actually putting in, uh, I thought, a better style rib, um, but I wasn't really hitting. So I actually told one of the, my uh, competitors, I was like, you know, I was using a different type of rib. You know, I thought it was a little drier than normal. He's like, yeah, that's the ticket with those type ribs. You know, they are a little bit drier. It's a little harder to cook, but it came in seventh, so I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> what uh, what brand are you using, if you don't mind my asking? Yeah, no, it was a Duroc. I actually ordered some uh, Duroc uh, ribs for this cook, and I cooked it like normal. And uh, I just thought they were a little more drier than what I've been producing recently so for pork fifth overall so uh, again you're you're right there now you're top half of uh of top 10 obviously uh, did you are you were you using duroc pork as well yeah duroc duroc pork uh, as well um you know it was it was definitely a good flavor it was a definitely a good cook um i did a little something you know uh different with my pork but um you know it was basically the same cook on that and it just presented it well in the box are you doing something different because of where you're at or are you just throwing stuff up and seeing how it reacts with the judges no it's, it's you know after my my last couple of cooks you know i i was uh butterflying um my uh pork i you know i just put it out there i was butterflying my butts 
And I noticed wow. that in my type cooker, uh, in the pellet, they were not as juicy as it could have been. But keeping them whole uh, and just, you know, doing your regular injections and keeping them whole and seasoning was a, a lot better for me on this cook. Finally, uh, brisket. You win brisket, so you almost won chicken. You win brisket. You get seven of ribs, a fifth in pork. Were you satisfied as you were turning in that you thought that this could win the category for brisket? No way. So <laughs> let me let me tell you what happened. So I'm sitting there waiting for you know um, you know going through the calls. Once they got to the top five, I started getting nervous. I was like, you know, I turned to Sonny. I said, hey. Uh, they didn't like the, uh, you know, the flavor on that one. Uh, and then and she was like, no, there's still chance. But then she even joined on board with me once we got to the second, you know, the uh, second place call. And so she was like, ah, yeah, I think we uh, kind of put a little bit too much apple juice in the uh, burnt end sauce. Uh, and then first place came, I jumped out my chair in the air and flew down the aisle. I, I, I was so amazed that, you know, it was definitely first place. But um, I knew it was in the top ten, but I I really underestimated that that was first place. Did you know at that point as well that you really had a good look at getting the overall grand champion considering where you had finished in the other three categories prior to brisket? You know what? I, I I was so excited with my calls. I really didn't pay attention to where everybody else was at with their calls and what placement they were at. So it was a little nerve wracking because, you know, you had uh, the uh, RGC. He was right there neck and neck with me. So I was like, crap, I didn't know where he placed, but I knew I was going to probably be in the top three. When you go into an event like this, obviously, you know, you're probably going into every event hoping to win. But in this particular instance, you only have to be top six in order to move on and uh, and get into the regional round. So do you hope that you're just within that top six in the in the local round, or are you a little bit more focused on that? Yeah. You know, my uh, my boy Smitty from Luton Booty told me to, to make sure I advance, and that's what I went to go do. And that was the only thing in my mind. Actually, the year prior to that, I mean, I came in 25th probably overall, and I was totally tired, uh, and I said I would never come back out to Reno. It was a long time, and why would I do this to myself again? So I just wanted to be in the top six. That was that was my top goal right there. So you're moving on to the regional round in Las Vegas, and luckily, you know, there isn't a huge amount of time that takes place between this win and the regional round. You're going to be competing in the couple weeks that are spanned in between, or are you just ramping up for the regional round? Uh, you know what? I'm I'm just ramping up for the regional round. I know the best of the best. You know, uh, you know I I, I I'm fr- I'm from the east. You know, I support the east all day. But I tell you, the barbecue and the competitiveness is the best is on the west. You know, you got Big Papa Smoker. You got left left coast Q. You got you know behind barbecue. You got rhythm and Q. I mean, it, all these guys is multi you know multi or or multiple GC winners. You know, so. I mean, it's it's going to be thick. You know, competition is going to be real thick and heavy. You got Bad Boys Barbecue as well. I mean, it's, it's going to be thick in, in Vegas. So everybody's going to bring their A game, you know. And I, I could have done a little bit more improving on my cooks as well. I'm not going to say that, you know, everything. I, I shouldn't have been second-guessing what I put in. I should know all of my stuff was first place. So I need to bring that when I come to uh, Vegas this year. 
It's Phil Johnson, the pitmaster of Phil the Grill, winner of the Reno, Nevada local qualifier for Sam's Club this past weekend and rolling into the regional round here at the end of next month. Phil, really appreciate the time tonight, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Thank you. You got it. There he is. Phil Johnson from Phil the Grill. I have a nickname for him. Phil the Grill Guy. Right? It's great. Look for him in Las Vegas in about a month. John Nil just coming up out of the break. Let me talk to you about the longest-running sponsor of the show, located in Warminster, Pennsylvania, the Barbecue Guru. Gang, if you're thinking about automatic temperature control devices for your cooker, stop here. This is the company that started it all. They are the creators of this technology. Why would you buy from anyone else? Not familiar with how these little beauties work? I'm not going to get into the minutiae. But imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature in one set, keeps it running at that temperature all the way through the cook. Sound too good to be true? It's not. It's real life. You can take advantage of this technology today because maybe you're a busy working professional or you're constantly on the run with kids doing errands. And quite frankly, you just don't have that time to set around and tend pit temperatures. The Barbecue Guru allows you to throw on a pork butt or a brisket or a couple slabs of ribs and then you're off to do whatever it is you need to get done. And the Barbecue Guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. There are currently a number of models to choose from, I think four or five. If you are really into the tech stuff, if you want to control two cookers at one time from one unit, or if you want to check multiple internal temperatures of meat, the CyberQ Wi-Fi is the one you want to really look at. You can make adjustments to your cooker or read internal temperatures of meat right from any connected smart device or netbook or laptop or whatever. It's great. Or if you just need like a cruise control for that pit for $149, or so, because remember, they've lowered all their prices after uh, our visit with Barbecue Bob Trudnack a couple weeks ago. Party Q might be the one for you. Runs on AA batteries. It's a self-contained controlled item. And it goes from cooker to cooker to cooker. It's great. If you're in the market for a cooker, Onyx Oven, been winning on the competition circuit in backyards all over the country for years. Fully insulated, holds a ton of meat, accommodates the half and full pans for food service. And you know it's going to work seamlessly with any Barbecue Guru automatic temperature control device. Do yourself a favor. Head on over to thebbqguru.com. That's thebbqguru.com. Or call them directly if you have any questions. 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. We're back right after this with John Nilgis to talk kale. Stick around. We'll be right back. Seven seven four four eight zero four three three to get on the air. Now here's your host, Greg Rampy. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, manufacturers of some of the best pellet cookers on the market today. If you are looking for a big cooker to house a lot of food, they got one for you. How about something medium size? Got you covered there too. Something portable for tailgates? No problem. They can do all that. Plus, they got pellets to fire those cookers. Check them out online at GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. I love my Green Mountain Grill. You could love yours as well if you just visit the website. All right, we've talked about it 
on this show almost at length over the past few months, but never really gotten into it. But this segment will change that. Kale is an approved garnish now for KCBS contest. But what's the genesis of this green allowance? Let's go ahead and race over to the hotline for those answers. And welcome back, friend of the show, very successful competition barbecue. Pitmaster has been doing it for ages now. John Nilgis of Parrothead Smokers. John, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Greg. Thanks. Yeah, you got it. Uh, John, if I could, let me ask you a pointed question. Are you what people would consider the chief undertaker of the kale movement of uh, 2016? For better or for worse, I guess. <laughs> So, like, what, what, what's the real issue that you thought cooks were facing with the current allowance of, of garnishes before kale kind of pressed over the edge there? I guess you know, it probably started last January or February. And, you know, us, us guys out here in the, in the middle of nowhere, um, finding good parsley on a weekly basis is just a, a major pain. And... Uh, you know, so I guess I wander in a grocery store, and there's great-looking kale there every every week. If I go to Walmart, if I go to, you know, one of the uh, the high via local grocery chain here, you know, it's always there. The you know, people are eating this stuff now. I guess, uh, heaven forbid. But I, I eat it in soup, uh, actually. <laughs> and so you, you know, you always saw it. And I thought, well, this is just insane. Um, why can't we get something done here? And, and and just get one more garnish added, and uh, and that you know it just started out as didn't have nothing to do, thought I'd make a box, and uh, and it turned out fine, and and just kind of went from there. Are are you not a a lettuce guy? I mean, certainly. Well, aside from the the red colored stuff, but green lettuce is is allowable as a garnish. It is, and I've you know I years ago did did lettuce a lot, and then it, it seemed like. You know, parsley became the thing, and and uh, you know we're all sheep. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, are, are <laughs> you gotta you, go with what everybody's using? Are, are you and whether pi- it's a brisket or a sauce or a rub? It's uh, here we all go. So I, I've used parsley for years, like you know most people have, and and uh, you know I don't know. The kale just seemed like an uh, like it'd be a, a something easy to to. To get past, <laughs> little did I know. <laughs> would, would the psychiatrist uh, sitting you down on the couch, John, say that uh, you know you and many other pitmasters really pissed at whoever the dick was that decided to do the first parsley box, and we could have just been happy with lettuce all the way through here? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it looks good. It looks good, and if you can get good parsley, um, you know, I, I see guys that are you know putting in that one little stem at a time, and I think that's insane, but. Uh, so it's scraping chicken skins too. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, I've made, uh, I've, I've competed three times so far this year and I've used kale all three times and it's so easy to use and availability, like I said, and, uh, is no matter where you go. And even if you don't want to use it, I guess that was kind of one of my, my things was, if you if you get great parsley and you want to use it that that's fantastic. But a lot of us out here are are you know I, I I've run to Omaha I couldn't tell you how many times and for me that's a 220 mile round trip to get parsley and that's just insane. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah. Holy moly. That's a, and that's a, I mean, you're, you're, I mean, how much are you paying in gas to buy parsley? I mean, that, that's got to be incredible expense for what you yeah. feel like you have to do in order to be competitive. It's, you know, everybody, you just feel like the next guy is doing, yeah. maybe not doing that, but, you know, everybody's using better meat. And, and I always, when I get in the truck, I want to thank everything that's in that truck is the best that I could find. And, and if, even if it, the garnish isn't good, you just feel like you're, at least I do, I feel like I'm half defeated before I get started. So I want everything in that truck to be, to be a nine. So you, you're in the grocery stores, you're seeing the available availability of kale. Do you ever consider looking at anything else like a bok choy or mustard green or collard green? I mean, is it just because of the proliferation of kale that you saw at store to store to store that you decide that that's the one that should get the nod? It seemed like it was just available wherever I went, and, and, it, and the quality was always was good. I mean, this stuff looks like it, you know, would survive a nuclear bomb blast or something. It, it it's tough. And I've made boxes and left them in the in the fridge for you know ten days, two weeks, and they and they're still fine. So it, uh, to me, it was an availability. It was a quality of of the product, and and uh, it just looked like a perfect match for me, anyway. So we're talking with John Nilgis, the pitmaster of Parrothead Smokers, about kale. John, talk to me about the process of, let's call it, grassroots or kale roots, if we're keeping on topic, <laughs> and getting it to the board to vote on and, and, and get its allowance. Well, you know, I talked with a lot of other cooks, and, and, and that was kind of the same thing. It's like, gosh, we're just sick and tired of running around trying to find you know, good parsley. Or you'd order it, and it wouldn't show up, you know? and they would set you know, kale. <laughs> and uh, it was like, well, what can we add? And, you know, everybody kind of thought the same thing. And, you know, I've cooked long enough and know a lot of guys out there and just started texting people and said, hey, what do you think? And, and uh, you know, I'm going to push this and maybe can we all start, you know, emailing and writing letters to the board members and saying, you know, can you, can you, you know, bring this up for a vote, vote sometime. And that, like I said, I think that started maybe in February last year. And we just kind of kept on it and kept on it. And then I'd gone to like the True Buds cook class last year. And there was, I think, one or two board members there. And they're, and, and they're all kind of against, you know, changes <laughs> until you get to talk to them on a one-on-one basis. And then it was, well, I didn't understand you guys were having any issues out here. I'm like, yeah, we are. And, and, uh, and then so once you talk to them, it, it, you know, they saw the light and, and uh, I don't know, sometime in the fall, I guess, they, they finally got around to, to voting the stuff in, and, and here we are today. Was it a close vote that you heard, or was it a pretty universal You know, pass? I don't know. Uh, I, I think it won by two or three votes. It, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. You know, some people don't, you know, I, I guess they just didn't want it, didn't want to change. And, but, but the way we looked at it, you know, how many people are really out there using cilantro and uh, you know italian flat leaf parsley and some of that stuff and and uh and then you'd get the crowd that that you know wants it banned all together and that's a different fight that you know i i if i can get good garnish i'd just as soon keep it but uh you know if somebody wants to get rid of garnish then <laughs> start emailing the board i guess but 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 we wanted to keep it and uh just expand it a little bit 
So what's the reaction, Ben? You said you've done three competitions so far this year. Have you heard any reaction from the pitmasters as you're around these events saying, yeah, it's it's great that we did it, or I don't really understand I, you know, if it doesn't. And I guess what it boils down to, John, is if you're a pitmaster that has a wide availability of really great parsley, you could probably give two shits about lettuce or kale or whatever. But if you're somebody in your situation where you're literally thinking, well, the best idea is to get in the truck and drive 200 miles round trip for me to get really good parsley in order to feel competitive. That's probably opening up the the good feelings of at least having another option, I would guess. It is. It's, you know, if, if I could get great parsley, I'll probably still probably still make a parsley box, but it's just having that option where, you know, I I don't want to get in the truck and do that. And it's sitting right here, and so it does give me another option. Um, you know, it's got, you know, people thought it was going to smell, you know, when it, when you put hot meat on it. And, and I'd tested it. I'd taken Ziploc bags and filled them up with, you know, boiling water and stuck it on there and let it set for 15 minutes, pulled it off. And it, it, it had a little vegetal smell, I guess, very light. But I'm going to guess that so does parsley or so does lettuce, you know, if you get it hot enough. But uh, I know some cooks that are using it, and they really like it. Uh, you know, making the boxes is it probably I can knock out four boxes in 20 minutes versus you know an hour and a half. So that's a lot quicker too. John, do you feel we're talking with John Nil just from Parrothead Smokers? You've used it in the three events that you've done so far this year. Do you feel internally a certain pressure now to? use it all the time since you're kind of the anointed kale champion. In other words, do you think others would find it odd that you kind of make a push for this option to get approved and now you really don't go out and use it on the competition circuit? Yeah, uh, you know, I've been I've <laughs> been told that too, you know, you better be using this stuff cuz you got the darn stuff, you know, in and you know, it wasn't just for me. Obviously, it was a lot of guys were having this issue and uh you know, I'll use it if I can't get great parsley, but, you know, I, I may go out this weekend and I've already kind of looked and, you know, the parsley here looks wilty and, you know, it's like, hey, you got kale? Yep, you bet. Got plenty of it in the back. So uh, if I go out, I'm going to use it for the fourth time. So it's just a, it's just an option. And uh, will I use it all the time? Probably not. But um, right now, four for four, it looks like. In a related story, John, I would vote – for the legalization of pot nationally (laughs) because I realize as a businessman the amount of tax revenue that it could bring to the country. However, I would not smoke pot. I've never smoked pot in my life. I would not start now even if it was legal. But there's – it's almost like the same thing, I think. You got me there. <laughs> I, I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write the KCBS board and start asking if we can talk about the National Federation of Legalizing Pot. I'm sure that would be uh, something that would love to take on. So let me ask oh, you. That. You know, some of these judges, I guess, are eating parsley uh, between uh, turn-ins. So I, I've got <laughs> no idea what would happen. Uh, John, here's here's the the question that I need to ask you, and we're kind of building to it. So we have lettuce and parsley and, and now kale as options for garnish in a box. Regardless of which one you use, and let me ask you since you're the one on the phone, 
you're going to use one of those three, whichever one looks the best or uh, whatever the case may be. You're going to use one of those versus not garnishing the box, correct? Correct. So would it make sense for not only the board to vote, okay, let's allow kale as a garnish option, but to also take out the optional garnish aspect of it? I don't think anybody knows better than you, John. You've won pretty much everything. You've been doing it since, you know, for for years. The people that are out there to win, to set themselves apart, are garnishing a box. So why not just say, hey, you're going to have to garnish the box instead of leaving it as optional. You can have 57 options if you want, but nobody's not going to not garnish a box, right? Right. No, yeah, I agree. It's, uh, you know, and I try to judge one or two times a year or two, and you're not supposed to take into, a, you know, <laughs> in your judgment the, what the garnish looks like. But it's tough. You know, you got some guy that's just tossed a little bit of lettuce in there because he thinks he has to, and it's brown and greasy looking. And how do you not, you know, how does the judge not judge that? So, you know, I can see your point. Um, maybe they should take it into account. I'm not sure what everybody else feels about that but and, I mean, the, it's a meat contest it's supposed to be about the meat and yet there's the there's the garnish sitting there so that's right so uh, so make it part of the rules and i'm not saying just to clarify i'm not saying to remove garnish i understand that people see with their eyes first i understand that you can uh quote unquote hide some errors with garnish and it frames and, and all that great stuff but just make it a part of the rules and don't just say it's optional because, you know, if you're an idiot like me, you might go into a contest and spend $1,000 and not garnish the box because you think you got just as good a chance going up against John Nilgis, who's got a pretty-ass box with garnish, and I didn't garnish my box. Yeah, yeah. you know what? I'm going to leave that battle up to you. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm done with the garnish. The good news is I don't compete, so, you know, I save my money. Thank goodness. I just I just talk to the professionals like you each week, and uh, I, I get my uh, uh, justice you know, it's out. So, it's really kind of silly, and, and running around trying to get all this and make these beautiful boxes, and in the end, you, you see what? 15, 20% of that box when it's all <laughs> over with? Very little of that. I mean, it's all covered with meat. John, what's the biggest, you know, back the, the first time you fired up the cooker for a competition? Fast forward to today, what do you think either the, the biggest evolution or change or event that's happened in your time in competition barbecue to date? Well, you know, when I started, it was all tents and offsets, and now it's giant RVs and trailers and big teams and nice cookers and and uh, a lot of, you know, classes and the Internet and the, the availability of, uh, you know, the pure breed hogs and, you know, Wagyu beef and organic chicken and all that. So it, it, it's a lot, a lot of change for sure. I imagine the boxes have changed too. They're definitely prettier than they used to be. Would you take away the years that you have in now knowing what you know to start now your competition years <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> and you can't i can't guarantee that you're you're going to win what you've already won in the past that's you're you're erasing all of that yeah it's definitely tougher now <laughs> i mean it's always been tough there's there's great teams and you know they you know they come and go and you know then there's a new a new bunch that comes out and you know it's 
Uh, I don't know if I <laughs> it's a tough sport. <laughs> People don't call it a sport, but you know, it's tough when you're banging away every weekend and, and, uh, yeah, I think the real question is would I start again, <laughs> maybe not, <laughs> not erasing the starting over. It's like, would you start again? And, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I probably still would. <laughs> John Nilgis is the pit master of Parrothead Smokers. Where are you going to be competing at next, John? Um, I may go down to, uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma this weekend. And then, uh, for sure, Salt Lake City for a Sam's Club event next week. All right. Uh, you look for John on the competition trail. Again, the pitmaster of Parrothead Smokers and a kale champion to date of uh, 2016. John, uh, really appreciate this, the, the discussion tonight, and we'll look forward to doing it again soon. You bet. Thanks, Craig. All right. You got it. There he is. John Nilgis, kale champion of the world. Oh, boy. Hey, for the mere fact... I'm happy that kale is at least an option, is an optional option. Is that redundant? I'm happy that kale is an optional option solely on the heels that John Nil just doesn't have to get into his car or truck and think that the best idea going is to drive 200 miles for parsley. What? John, the best idea in that case, don't compete that week. <laughs> Wait until you find better kale and reload next time. Oh, my God. I, can you imagine that? The best idea is to drive 200 miles to get parsley. Wow. So I'm good with kale being an optional option. I'm just on that alone. That makes the world of sense to me. All right. Thanks again to John Nilgis. Let me talk to you quickly about the Chops Power Injector, the 2015 and 16 Barbecue Tool of the Year. Let's break it down. I'll tell you a little bit about each one. Number one seller continues to be the half-gallon Chops Power Injector system designed for competition or to pump up the Backyard Warrior. They are easy to use. Clean it, fill it, pump it, and go. If you have just one brisket or pork shoulder to do, you don't need to fill it all the way up. Just put in what you need. It will use it all. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement, plastic needle adapters, three-plug screws, and a needle protector. 100 bucks plus your shipping anywhere. Then you have the one-gallon chops power injector system. This is designed for the catering and bigger jobs. It holds up to double the amount of the injection of the half-gallon. Use it in competitions like when you're cooking MBN whole hog. And 10 shoulders to get that perfect one. It comes with 14-gauge needle, two replacement, plastic needle adapters, three-plug screws, and a needle protector. plus shipping anywhere. Then you have the big one. The Chops Full Power Injector System. It's electric. It's the commercial and competition Big Daddy. It's not a holding tank, not this one, but a three and a half foot pickup tube that you can put in any size container. From a few ounces to a 55-gallon drum, it was originally designed for Chef Rob at the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City. And he said time and time again that with the Chops Full Power Injector System, his briskets are better than ever. It comes with metal needle adapters, 14-gauge needles, 3-inch 12-gauge needles, 2-inch 11.5-gauge needles, Three plug screws and a needle protector. It's 325 bucks plus your shipping anywhere. A number of the top pitmasters in the world use this system every day to make their barbecue better than the rest. We live in the foodie world. It requires flavor in every bite. This is how you do it. Do it fast and easy. And it's not just for meat. How about alcohol-infused watermelon? I'll take two. Every injector is hand-assembled in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. Extra accessories, you want them, they got them. 
Want to shoot medium ground splices? They have you covered for that. The two, the three, the four inch 12 gauge needles also have a two inch clothes tip needle. Perfect for shooting fatty meats to keep from plugging up the needles with fat. They sell replacement stock needle adapters and plug screws. They have a great upgrade you can buy to make your chops injector bulletproof with metal needle adapters. Go to Barbecue Kansas City right now. B A R B E Q U E. B A R B E Q U E. BarbecueKansasCity.com. Chops full power injector system gives your barbecue some power. We're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs. The only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. Uh, once again, a thanks to John Nil just for talking kale. Really good insight on that. That was great. Also, if you've been listening to the first two interviews, please give me feedback on audio levels. I'm seeing things on my end. I need to know if that's translating over to your end listening. I've become so obsessed with the sound because of uh, my man, Haniel, the unofficial show sound uh, engineer of the show. I love that guy. I could talk to him all day long and, and my neuroses would continue to grow because I just want to be perfect. So weigh in over the break here as we reload for the second hour on audio levels for both guests. Welcome aboard to 17th State Brewing Company with the Kolsch and the IPA. President Christopher Mackey will be in next week. He'll be sitting in on the show. We're going to talk about the formation of the Great Beer Company and why they want to sponsor this show. Because I'm awesome. All right, uh, we're back to do the second hour right after this. Stick around. This is Rennie Kanoff with ChampionshipBBQ.TV, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? You have a great show, I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish, what? He ate two feet before we nursed. So listen, Laverne, shut your face. Yeah, I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> We have top men working on it right now. Top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. This is the Barbecue Central Show. If you missed the first hour, where were you? You missed Phil the Grill. Talk about the win in Reno, Nevada for the Sam's Club Local. You also missed John Nilgis of Parrothead Smokers talk about the origination of how kale came to be an approved optional option for garnish. Now, the butcher weighed in on the optional option. 
And he said, the reason I feel it should stay optional is like this weekend. I had ribs so large they wouldn't fit in the box. So we pulled the ribs out of the box, pulled the garnish out, laid the ribs back in, closed the lid. We got third. Well, after an answer like that, I, I, I recount everything I said. I recant, not recount. I recant it. I mean, I don't. I think, I think by and large. So here's the counterpoint to Dave's point. The key bit of information that he said in that whole post, not the fact that he finished third in ribs with no garnish, which is phenomenal. And obviously the ribs were big enough to, to cover the boxes he'd set. The key piece is what he originally garnished the box. Because he knew, you know, he probably should, right? No, it's an available option. Greg, available option. It's an optional option that's available. It's an available optional option. That's not redundant at all. Anyway, uh, this is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. And tell all your friends that this show is on right now. Greg, uh, Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com is the email address. Thebbqcentralshow.com is the audio link. Outdoorcookingchannel.com slash watch-now is the video syndication link. Still, the, uh, still to come on the show tonight, Craig Sherry, Texas Pepper Jelly founder and current executive director of the International Barbecue Cookers Association, or IBCA. The Sam's Club Barbecue Tour, as we know, rolled into Reno, Nevada this past weekend. It was a local qualifier that feeds the Las Vegas, Nevada Regional taking place on April 23rd. The top 16s moving on are, and we know who won it, right? With a 691.9, Phil the Grill, Phil Johnson. Reserve Grand Champion with a 686.8. Bowling over Pigs. It's five point spread there, Phil. I mean, it wasn't that close. Smoking Moe's barbecue with a 680. Wait a second. Who's this at number four? Friend of the show, Green Mountain Grill fan and employee, rooftop barbecue, Andy Allen, moving on to Las Vegas, of course. He's a good cook, man. RR barbecue with a fifth and rounding out the top six. Son of Smoke with a 674.7. So, as you look at it, I mean, you know, 17-point spread between 1 and 6. So, Phil the Grill uh, really doing a great job um, taking the grand champion there. Uh, next Sam's Club stop is this coming weekend for 2 in, again, Renton, Washington. Good luck to all those competing. Uh, Diane, are you competing in Renton, Washington? Diane Mee of Lake House Barbecue. Are you competing this week? It's a yes or no answer. Survey says. <clears throat> Survey says. Say. All right. She left. She's not it. I'm going to venture a guess and say potentially. Here is some more potential breaking news. Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. That's right. Greg Rempe back with you here at the breaking news desk of the Barbecue Central Show here in Cleveland, Ohio, with some breaking news. 
Weber Grill Company will bust out a new cooker to the market next week on 4-6. I will be following this very closely and release new news as it happens and or is available. Meathead Goldwyn and Max Good from AmazingRibs.com have seen it in person. They have used it in person. Max Good is currently using it uh, for days on end. He's got like a loner or whatever, and he's putting it through the AmazingRibs.com paces for review. Of course, when I met with them over the weekend, they were unable to really give me any kind of great info due to the NDAs that they actually had to sign when they were messing around with it at the Weber headquarters this past weekend. But they were, you know, pretty impressed from a very high level sense. They gave me like zero information, but I could tell by the looks on their faces, they weren't discouraged with the offering that Weber is going to be putting out. I have reached out to some of the top men at Weber and I'm trying to figure out it. It's like, it's the worst time for them to release in regards to the date and the day of the week. It's the worst. If they would just release it one day prior on 4-5, we could do a segment on the show here live the day they release it. Meathead and Max could put out their reviews on their website. I could have people from Weber on my particular show the same night and get it out there. It would be a synergistic miracle and win for everybody involved. But no... 4-6 on Wednesday. So I am uh, talking with uh, the marketing guy from Weber right now. And uh, his name is Kevin Coleman. And it looks like I will be, uh, Diane Me will be in Renton. So good luck to Diane. I got an offline email from Diane. She has my personal email. She's won before, so she has my personal email. Okay? Okay? Bastards. Anyway, uh, Kevin Coleman will be probably doing a segment on the Barbecue Roundup, which I will have a new episode out this Thursday. Uh, Being out of town the last couple weeks for volleyball tournaments has not allowed me to put out two new episodes. But that's why I said, you know, give it a little time for me to kind of ease into. Got three out in a row. Two missed, and so we're, we're going to be running back with it. So we're probably going to do a, a pre-recorded thing with uh, Kevin initially, and then we'll have him on the show maybe a couple weeks after the fact to kind of track progress and how it's being received in the market and get a little bit more of a you know one-on-one interview in the live sense on what this particular cooker is, is bringing. And there's been a lot of speculation. It's a pellet cooker. It's a hybrid. It's a Kamado. Nobody knows. There's been no pictures. It's been very well-kept secret, even with the uh, proliferation of technology across all regions and bounds and countries and worlds. So who knows? Only time will tell, but it will not be that much longer. A week from tomorrow, the new Weber cooker will be unveiled. 4-6, so look forward to that. Here's a lot of email that I got over the past week. One week removed. Dear Greg... I'm Tim from Kansas or John from New York or whatever. 
Was the horse meat call guy for real last week? He said spatchcock, and you didn't even flinch. You didn't laugh. You were staunch. You were firm. You let him go. What can I tell you? I. The other question was, hey, was the uh, the horse meat guy Dan from Wachula? Was it Dan from Wachula? How could anyone mistake those two? Dan would have taken about 35 seconds to wind up talking about only one place on that horse's anatomy, you know? So, no, it wasn't Dan from Wachula. I can guarantee that. I can guarantee it. And in regards to... uh, that horse meat guy calling in a second time into the show, asking me, have I heard? Uh, uh, oh, yeah. I've heard. I went, everybody's heard about the bird. All right, I digress. But yes, I've heard. If you missed the show last week, that made zero sense. All right, gang, here you go. If you're like me, you're always trying to think of ways to step up the barbecue and grilling game. No better or easier way to do it, whether you're in the backyard or whether you're on the competition scene, then by heading on over to ButcherBBQ.com. That's right. Butchers has all of the injections that you will ever need for every protein you will ever need. He has rubs for every protein you will ever need. He has sauce that will taste good on everything. Is fish a protein? Butcher Sweet Barbecue Sauce tastes really good on vanilla ice cream. I know, I've done it. Also, it's really good drinking it right out of the bottle. Again, if you're looking for the go-to rubs and sauces, Dave's expanded the product line. There's four new rubs on the market. You have the cherry, you have the pecan, you have the chipotle, you have the secret master's blend. I love just making that one up. Of course, the tried and true steak and brisket rub. My favorite rub ever of all time, I think, the honey barbecue rub, which I've loved for years and years and years. The sweet barbecue sauce is so good that I suggest buying at least a pack of six because it's going to go really fast. It's good all by itself. It's good as a base sauce. You can use it with some other sauces. It mixes well. It plays well with others. And, of course, the injections. If you want to take the brisket to the next level or the pork tenderloins or the pork shoulders, inject your ribs, inject your chicken with the bird boosters, come on. Last but not least, the grilling oils. If you haven't tried the grilling oils yet, Make this your 2016 New Year's resolution in the end of March. Get all of the grilling oils and try them out. They have chipotle, you have steakhouse flavored, you have the butter flavored. Butter flavor is my favorite. It's universal. It's on my kitchen every single day. I use it. It transfers easily right from the kitchen out to the grill. It doesn't need to be refrigerated. stable. It's safe. It's not going to go rancid. So relax. Just buy like 10 of everything at Butcher Barbecue. 
and be happy. You write me and tell me I'm a liar. I'll read it on the air because you'll be lying. It's really good stuff. ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. All right, we're back with an open segment for me to talk about Chicago in depth, in detail. Your phone calls and emails as well. Stick around. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Welcome back. This portion of the Barbecue Central show is being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all of your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also visit Amazon.com to purchase as well. Here's the unique thing about CookinPellets.com. They have an app. I think they're probably the only pellet manufacturing company that has their own app. And you can download that. And then when Amazon decides to get like a hair up their ass and blow out cooking pellets, wood pellets for an incredible rate, shipping-wise, you'll get alerted through the cookingpellets.com app. So it's free. You download it. It just sits there, blah, 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 and all of a sudden, bing! Cheap shipping prices through Amazon.com for cooking pellets, wood pellets. And then you buy, 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 like uh, Mortimer from... Like Mortimer and Randolph Duke from Trading Places. Buy, buy, instead of sell, sell, it's Mortar. Buy, buy, buy. What are you doing? Get in there and buy. Again, it's uh, cookingpellets.com or amazon.com, whichever you prefer. And, uh, oh, man, what is going on with my phone? That's about time for me to get a new phone. For as much as you pay for these things, and I'm with AT&T and I got on that uh, next program where you buy the phone like a car and make payments instead of doing the two-year contract. You can't, uh, phones don't last for more than two or three years at the most, man. It's, it's bullshit. I want something that lasts a little bit. Can we go back to uh, the Motorola Razor flip phone? Is that possible? I want that. Ain't nobody got time for that. No, I got time for that, Sweet Brown. Those were the days. Phones lasted forever. I know it's a whole money thing. I used to work for the cell phone companies. I get it. Anyway, visit cookingpellets.com and download the app. Be alerted to cheap shipping for cooking pellets. All right, this past weekend was the official Chicago meetup with Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. Now, if you're a historian of the show, 
If you're somebody that uh, feels that they really know the show very well, they listen carefully and take the notes, required to be a super central life. I think six or seven years ago, and maybe it was even longer than that, but six or seven years ago, Meathead was on doing a segment. It was probably one of the first ones that we had done. We're getting to know each other a little bit more. And here it comes to unfold that Meathead in a previous life was the Chicago Tribune and the Washington Post and maybe the Huff Post wine expert, the the wine critic, the reviewer. He wrote extensive art. I mean, he's traveled extensively across the world to visit the various wine regions that produce these great wines from all across the globe. He's an expert. When you talk about wine experts, who do I know? I know Gary Vaynerchuk, who does the the Daily V or whatever he's doing now. Back when I got into wine, he was doing WLTV. He's the guy that does the ID. Hey, hello, everybody. This is Gary Vaynerchuk and WLTV, and this is Barbecue. That was that guy. Dude's making like you know, $10, $12 million a year right now, writing best-selling books. Uh, meanwhile, I'm doing a barbecue show out of my basement. Not making $10 million a year, by the way. (laughs) Nevertheless, we continue to hustle. That is the one wine expert that I know. And then the second one is Meathead. So during the course of this conversation, we were talking about wine and perhaps we were trying to pair it up with certain barbecue foods because that seemed to have been, at least at that point, a trend in some of the ancillary categories at barbecue competitions where make a dish and pair it with a wine. Make a barbecue dish, pair it with a wine. And I had a lot of people asking me because I was very vocal about how I was very now new passionate about wine and wanted to learn all about it and try this wine, try that wine, and eat it with this and drink it with that and whatever. So people started funneling questions into me about what should I... I'm going to a barbecue contest, and one of the ancillary categories is barbecue dish and wine. What do I use? What should I pair? Blah, blah, blah. So I was giving some advice. So here we are, we're talking to me, and he said, hey, if you could go and pick any bottle of wine whenever, which one would you pick? And I'm on the spot. I don't really have a lot of history in the 1960s Bordeaux's and Burblancs and whatever. The Chardonnay, the Pap, the Barolos, things of this nature. And I said, hey, the 2001 Silver Oak is supposed to be knock your socks off. Hugely expensive, but the best vintage that Silver Oak could ever come up with. That's what I would go back and get. And he said, that's interesting you say that. Because I don't have a 2001, but I do have this. And he literally reached down on the floor and pulls up a magnum of 2006 Silver Oak, which I think, if you look back through the annals of the Vintner, it was the second best vintage that Silver Oak has ever come up with on the cap. This is a Napa cab out of uh, Alexander Valley. Oh. And he's like, we'll drink it when you, I'll, I'll keep it. We'll drink it when you get to Chicago. And I said, there is no way I know how I am. I know how I travel. I know what kind of kid situation that I have right now. And then looking ahead 10, 15 years, I'm never going to get to Chicago. I'll never get there. It's going to be, I appreciate the thought. It, it's just never going to happen. As much as I want to just drive there immediately now, it's never going to happen. 
And he said, well, it's got time. I'll lay it down. So fast forward to the beginning of J.O. volleyball season this year. And on the schedule is the Windy City National Qualifier taking place near the end of March. And I'm like, there's no way. This is fate. So I didn't say anything right away. Make sure that everything was good with the team. Was it going to be any weird things or that people, as in my wife and I, were going to decide, okay, we're going to split up weekends. It's just going to be one adult and Bobby, and that's going to be it. Things were playing out in my favor. I'm going to go to Chicago. So I make the call to Meathead. I said, hey, I'm really coming to Chicago. Seven years later, I'm really coming to Chicago. We were doing the proverbial jig over the phone and the dance. And here, what did you know? It actually came to be. So here we go. The Barbecue Central Show heads west and north this past weekend to the Windy City. I meet up with Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com to discuss some business opportunities and brand synergies between us. We're trying uh, that we're going to to try and develop over the next few months. And not only was Meathead there, but VP of AmazingRibs.com, the official grill reviewer, the keeper of the flame, I believe, is what his moniker is. Max Good was in attendance also, and assistant editor of AmazingRibs.com. And if we were looking at who was around the table, easily the hottest one at the table. Sarah Lynn Pablo was in attendance as well. But as I had just denoted in my speech the last few minutes and at the end of the show last week, there was going to be a whining taking place of seismic and gargantuan proportions. You know how sometimes there is a tremendous amount of buildup to something. But when you finally experience it, in the end, the buildup winds up being greater than the actual thing. Yeah, this was not one of those cases. You could have thought that six or seven years of buildup would eventually lead to an almost impossible situation of meeting or exceeding expectations. But folks, I am here to tell you that not only were expectations met, and I'm only speaking for myself here because it's only me tonight. We'll have Meathead on anyway. Expectations were exceeded by an incredible rate. If you follow me on the social medias, the Instagrams, the Twitter, Snapchat especially, You kind of got a real-time glimpse of what was happening. However, I did make a conscious effort to not lose the moment I was in by documenting every single second. What I say two weeks ago about kids these days, they're documenting every single effing second with the texting and the tweeting and the pictures and all that. Happens to a lot of people. I get it. But I did make the concerted effort to put the phone down get off social media, not look at any incoming messages, and concentrate and enjoy and appreciate the situation that was unfolding in front of me in real time. And I'm here to tell you, it didn't disappoint for one second. It was easily one of the best business-slash-friendship get-togethers I have ever had 
ever in recent memory. So everybody wants to know, how was the wine? Getting a lot of messages. How was it? Tell me about the wine. How was the wine? Especially for the folks that don't follow me on Instagram where we're tuning in tonight to kind of play up all of the drama and suspense that's been building over the week. First Meathead takes me, picks me up at the hotel. We go to this retail store slash restaurant place called Eataly. E-A-T-A-L-Y. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's in a couple other big cities. It's like four floors. There's a complete retail side to this whole deal with food accoutrements, cooking oils, you name it, cheese. They had a huge cheese section. They got hanging mozzarella. They got wheels of Parmigiano-Reggiano, the Pecorino Romano, everything. They have a fish section. They have a dry-aged meat section that was blowing my mind. They had these tomahawk steaks that were dry-aged for like 35 days. Huge. Pictures on Facebook, by the way, if you follow me. That place was picked, and it's got nine restaurants inside of it. So you can eat at the pizza bar. You can eat at the, at the seafood portion of it. You can eat at the steakhouse portion of it. They make burgers there. They had a delicatessen for some sandwiches and so forth, antipasta. They had a bakery section, so you can get your desserts. Place was sensory overload, and you could drop a young ton of money in that place just the way it's set. It's, it was... Visually spectacular. Not to be outdone. We go back up in the parking lot. We go to Meathead's car. Pull out the Magnum of 2006 Silver Oak as we make our way over to the Weber Grill. Right downtown Chicago there on Ohio Street. John Crossed, who is the... uh, John, I apologize for not knowing the title uh, right off. But he's in charge of all the Weber Grill restaurants uh, that are up and retailing right now across the country, which are kind of more regionally located. He came, he was there, received us right as we walked in, dashed the bottle of wine into their uh, personal wine cave, and then proceeded to give us a full tour of the Weber Grill restaurant, was extremely knowledgeable, as you should be. He started there as a server like 12 or 13 years ago, has worked his way up since, about how everything's cooked, what they're using to cook, how Weber Grills does all the R&D and then installs these big, huge industrial ranch kettles that are doing all of the cooking. And I think there were four or five charcoal-fired ones, and then they had two that were actually gas-fired for a little bit more of the delicate stuff like fish, uh, things of this nature. But you know, burgers and chops and the lamb and the steaks, all on the charcoal fire portion of it. And they do use a proprietary charcoal briquette uh, lump charcoal briquette mix. They call it lump charcoal. I took a picture of that as well. Uh, they would not release to me who the manufacturer was, but the bag looked semi-familiar. I would probably say it's some sort of a Kingsford effort, unless I'm completely off base. That's just my guess. I'm speculating. And I got video to show you here. If you've never been in a Weber Grill restaurant, the smell was perfumed with some charcoal smoke rolling through, as they call it, the roll-off, so they open up the hood. Uh, it's it's an, it's an insane situation that's going on there. I mean, it's really live fire cooking at its best. The only way it gets more real is for those wood-fired grills that you see becoming more and more popular in all locations. We sit down. Meathead orders a bottle of 2011 Silver Oak out of nowhere. 
He's like, hey, I see it's on the menu. We got to do the vertical tasting. We got to taste the 2011. Then an hour later, we're going to open up the 26. We're going to do a, a taste comparison. My mind is blown. That's a $150 bottle of wine right there. It comes out. It's exquisite. Soon, I'm thinking, maybe this is going to be the winner. Maybe the 2006 isn't going to hold up. Maybe we've missed its stride, its flavor peak. Oh, no. What are we going to do? Well, we finished the bottle of 2011. I can tell you that's what we did. Then, and about an hour later, the 2006 gets popped. And I'm here to tell you, folks, if you're not into wine, this is going to be completely lost on you. But just from the smell, like Meathead, you know, proper etiquette, the guy pops the wine, he pours a taste out for the guy that brought the bottle, which was Meathead. He swirls it around, takes the sniff, and was just like, oh, boy. Just just pour it. He didn't even need to taste it. Just pour it. It's going to be great. So we poured it off for the rest of us out there. And the first sip was magic. Just blew over the tongue, was lush. So where the 2011 had just some hints of fruit because it was still so young. I mean, this thing is going to be down for for years and it would be able to drink for years. There was a little bit of acidic taste right in the back palate. This 2006 completely mellowed out. Huge flavor. But now you've gone from fruit to more kind of like a very palatable, I'm going to say leather and shoe sock type of a situation. But it's not bad. It's mature and full and robust and just covered your palate with. This was easily the best wine that I've ever had in my life. This is life-changing wine. If you've never had wine and this was your first wine, you would be screwed on wine forever. You wouldn't be able to appreciate anything else ever. It worked very well. I had steak and potatoes and a side of mushrooms. But I'm telling you, I'm here to say that out of all of that buildup, easily the best bottle of wine, and it could have gone so wrong and the evening could have fell so short of expect all of this stuff. But this wine was superior. Superior. So just the fact... That for all of the years, almost 10 years of buildup, to not have any letdown and to only have expectations exceeded. Very happy about that. All right, here's, if you've never been to the Weber restaurant before, this is a quick look behind the line, courtesy of Sarah Lynn Pablo. There you go. Those are, you know, a little bigger than the ranch. Look at that. Those are chops going on. You got all the steaks there. So they run two zones, as you can see. The back is just a raging fire for the the back half. The front half is the cool zone, so they have everything timed out. There you go. I mean, look at that. Phenomenal. And again, they're running the charcoal briquettes, and of course they pan out, show you some finish plating there before they give it the final wipe down and, and run to the table. But, again... Just another quick look. It's about 1,500 degrees in the back, according to John Crossed. And they reload about every hour and a half to two hours in the back. And they do it. They do it in charcoal chimneys. And again, it's a proprietary blend of charcoal that they're using. But those things are they're open, they're closed. They're open, they're closed. These guys were magicians back there. It was fabulous. 
Now, I've heard on you know many different instances that you know depending on where you're at or which one you go to, the food experience might not be. A, I'm not here to tell you that the Weber Grill was like the best dining experience I've ever had. The food was good. The food was very good. Uh, I don't know if we lucked out or or anything like that, but this particular whole evening, and maybe it was just the wine making everything that much better. I don't know. But the food was good, the company was good, and the wine was spectacular. And as I said, being able to come in and, and exceed expectation that long or, or that far above what the expectation was, considering, I don't know if you can have a weekend or, or a Friday night that really goes any better than that, considering what we were accomplishing during the meeting. It was great. Thanks to Meathead. Thanks to Max Good. Thanks to Sarah Lynn Pablo from AmazingRibs.com for this past Friday. Excellent. By the way, somebody asked about the uh, deep dish pizza. Uh, I ate at Pizzeria Due. It was good. I liked it. Evidently, that's only what uh, tourists eat in Chicago. Whatever. I was a tourist. When am I going to go back to Chicago next year? Let me talk to you about Cook Shack. Cookshack manufactures smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with with any amount of experience, whether you barbecue in the backyard, in the competition circuit, or in a five-star dining facility. Cookshack has the unit that will do the job and with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks. It's the perfect one-stop shop. Cookshack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, Smoking Grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website, cookshack.com, or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, or Google+. Get advice or share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cookshack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion, Ed Fast Eddie Marin. The FEC 100 and PG 1000 are always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can double as a smoker and a grill. Low and slow or hot and fast, the pellet grill line gives you the most versatility for your money. Cook Shack residential electric smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being at the forefront. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call them, 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. You can also visit their website, cookshack.com. That's cookshack.com. Thank you for indulging me this past second. How cool are those grills? Can I get one of those? Like stainless steel Weber Ranch kettle grills? Is that possible? Don't forget... Next Wednesday, Weber will be releasing what they feel is a game-changing cooking vessel or implement or cooker grill situation. Us, Craig Sherry coming up out of the break. Stick around. Be right back.
Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. 216-220-0966. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com is the email. Helping me close the show tonight is one of the top pitmasters in Texas. I would venture to say that even if you saw him show up in some of the other sanctioning bodies, he'd rattle some folks as well. He has a great line of barbecue-inspired products and also happens to be the executive director of the IBCA. We talked about the ingestion of Texas Gulf Coast by IBCA two weeks ago, and I was able to wrangle my next guest for a few minutes tonight to get us up to speed on where things are at right now. So let's welcome back the pitmaster of Texas Pepper Jelly and the executive director of the IBCA, Craig Sherry, joining me here on the show. Craig, how are you, buddy? I'm doing fine, Greg. How are you doing this season? Absolutely spectacular, Craig. I always appreciate the time you give to the show here. And uh, I guess, you know, we, we missed it a couple weeks ago. I was uh, sicker than a dog, and, and Chad kind of took over the show for me, and, and I know he did a, a segment with you here. So I don't want to, you know, uh, inundate a, a, a rehash of, of exactly what happened, but I wanted to kind of get a, get with you and get my own interview with you on this whole thing. So I guess from a from a high-level aspect, Craig, Talk to me about the, the coming together of IBCA and Texas Gulf Coast and kind of events that transpired to, to make this kind of a reality. Well, you know, it, it, the actuality of it is Texas Gulf Coast had reached a point to where growing, uh, they just weren't. Uh, they, they're an organization that has stood strong for the last 12 years, give or take. Uh, they managed to have anywhere from 30 to 40 events a year that were sanctioned. They did a great job, but they just, they're hemmed in geographically. They weren't expanding. Uh, IBCA is a much bigger footprint in the state of Texas. And they just kind of got tired, I guess, of beating their head against the wall. Uh, they felt like for the long term, it would be better for the state if they just went ahead and closed down. So. We use the term merger. Uh, it was probably a poor choice of words looking back upon it, but it all happened so suddenly. I, I don't think anybody saw it coming. They're, they reached out to me and IBCA and asked us if we would take care of their events, their promoters, their head judges, and make it as seamless as possible. So uh, that's basically what happened. Uh, we were glad to step up and talk to their promoters. It's going to be a lengthy process over the next six months getting everybody on board, but we're trying to make it just as seamless as possible. This gives us, uh, we're well over probably 250 cook-offs in the state of Texas with IBCA now. It gives us a handful of uh, head judges that are already experienced, and those are always, uh, we're thankful to have them, let's put it that way, because in the end, we want to make this all about the cooks to, able to go to the events and and have the same level of um, professionalism through IBCA that they had through Texas Gulf Coast. That's the goal. Craig, are the members that are currently Texas Gulf Coast immediately ingested it and now members of IBCA? Do they get an opportunity to uh, you know, quit seems like a, a bad word here, but do they have the opportunity to decline membership of IBCA and just kind of go on their merry way? What's the thought on that? Well, you know, um, 
to be a, to cook in Texas, you, you really don't have to be a member of any organization. Any or, anybody's entitled to cook when they want, where they want, how they want. The IBCA has added money events where we kick in money to help with prize money, and you need to be a member of the IBCA in order to participate in those added money events. Uh, there, there was probably around 100, 120 members in Texas Gulf Coast to date this year. I would venture to say half or better were already IBCA members. Um, there has been some flack from, from some of the older members in IBCA. They're, they're looking at this, um, I don't know, through, through foggy glasses or, or clouded vision. I don't know how to really word it. Um, there's been, and, and, you, and I don't want to drag up all the politics, but there has just been a lot of animosity over the years between the two organizations. And that needs to be set aside. It's time to unite Texas under one organization and move forward. And uh, there's never been an opportunity like this. So we want to capitalize on it. And we're trying to just make it uh, as pleasant for everybody as possible. The Texas Gulf Coast members are more than welcome to join our organization if they're not already a member. They want to sit back a while and think about it. They're entitled to that as well. Craig Sherry joining me here on the show, Executive Director of the International Barbecue Cookers Association, or IBCA, also owner of Texas Pepper Jelly. Uh, TexasPepperJelly.com is website for business. IBCABBQ.org is the IBCA website. Craig, in regards to the Texas Gulf Coast events that were set for this year, do they now operate under the IBCA moniker? Are they still Texas Gulf Coast for this year, and then they'll be IBCA next year, or, or how does that work? No, effective, effective immediately. Uh, we've already covered April. Uh, we're working on, on May and June now. We're contacting them on a one-by-one basis and explaining to them that everything's the status quo. They get to keep their same head judge because we're working on making those head judges, IBCA head judges. Uh, we want them to, to, to keep that person because they're comfortable with them. Uh, having been a past president of Texas Gulf Coast and a player of sorts in Texas barbecue for the last 10 or 11 years, um, my name is, is synonymous with both organizations. And uh, so far, it's it's really been been smooth. And, and they're coming. They just want their event taken care of, bottom line. Texas Gulf Coast annually had its members-only cook-off. Uh, it was referred to either as a memorial or an invitational. Uh, they were in the process of a name change, but it was for members only so that they could give away money they earned during the year at a contest back to their members. Their plan is to go ahead and have that event uh, mid-May, and they'll end up uh, giving away all the, the money that they make off the entries. And after they pay their bills and everything, uh, all the money that they have accrued over the years, is just going to be paid out to members, current members only. Nobody can join at this point because it's basically a folded organization. Uh, they will be able to cook this event, and we're expecting prize money for that event to be somewhere between twenty-five dollars and $30,000. And that will totally dissolve the organization at that point of any funds uh, or any equipment or anything that they might own at that time. And um, short of that, 
event, and, and it really is a, it's a closed event. It's a non-sanctioned event for all practical purposes. Um, the organization will just cease to exist. Uh, there, there has been some talk, and I don't know uh, that there are some. Uh, there's always some members that want to revive something. And and they may try to revive this. Uh, I think that if that's the case, that these people are thinking more with their hearts and their heads. From a business point of view, it's time to go ahead and close it and close the books on it. And let's start a new chapter in Texas barbecue. Craig, as you said, you are a guy that has been pretty involved in, in both organizations, obviously IBCA now, but Texas Gulf Coast for a while as well. Did you expect more? blowback potentially than than what you've seen or is this kind of met expectation for what you thought might happen when this actually transpired well i've made no secret uh of the fact that for the for off and on for the last 10 years that uh for those that don't understand ibca we have chapters that we refer to as pits and at one time texas gulf coast was a pit under ibca uh over the years there have been two or three pits broke off and started their own organizations my understanding that's how Lone Star Barbecue uh, happened. Texas Gulf Coast left for whatever reason. Um, Louisiana, the Louisiana group over there uh, broke off a year or so ago and formed the BCA. Um, I, I don't agree with that. I, you know, God bless us as America. We, ha- we all have the right to try to invent a better mousetrap, but a lot of these organizations they split uh for personal reasons for whatever they were and i i just i never agreed with it i still don't to this day and i've made no secret about it over the years i would like to see a united texas barbecue organization instead of having three or four players uh i think it's important to to have one we can do more united than we can divided blowback um you know, I've played out this scenario for several years, and for the last couple, I've seen something like this coming, although it happened so fast, so suddenly, it actually caught uh, even me by surprise uh, because I didn't anticipate the ending like this. Uh, I always kind of envisioned of, of asking them to come back to IBCA as a pit and just help the organization stronger, but that just wasn't meant to be the way it played out. Um, blowback... I would say right now uh, it's been minimal. And and again, part of the problem was the word merger. Uh, We do have some older members and some members who think that we went out and acquired them and bought them or paid money for them and didn't okay it or get an approval. And that's just not the case. The the actuality is their board voted to close the doors. And rather than leave everybody just wondering what they were going to do, we're stepping in, picking up the reins, taking the cook-offs um, to work toward that United Texas uh, organization and, and, and be a family if we can again. Uh, I, I just, I guess maybe I'm, I'm idealistic, but I, I just feel like it's the way to go for barbecue in Texas. Craig Sherry joining me here on the show. Craig, you'd mentioned that there's three or four players in there. You know, now we're, we're probably looking at uh, two, maybe three. You got Lone Star still uh, hanging off by itself. I think there was another one that uh, Doug Shiding was telling me about a couple of weeks ago, and I don't remember what the name yeah, is. Yeah, there's uh, Central Texas. Right. Uh, it's a very, I, I, I have no, I've never cooked their events. I don't know the players. I don't know who they are. They're very centrally located. Uh, I would hazard a guess that they have a dozen events, maybe. Um, 
it's they're really their own little creature and they I don't want to downplay anybody, but they've never been a significant player as far as uh contest and and uh Texas. Lone Star. Uh Lone Star has filled a, a void for lesser entry fee, uh lower entry fee, cook offs, lesser prize money. Uh a lot of people have started there in advance to IBCA. Um those are the only two players that I know of in Texas that I'm aware of, unless somebody, you know, tried to start another one for whatever reason. Um, I, I would, you know, Lone Star, like I said, it served a purpose, but um, I'll, I'll be brash and bold. I think they ought to be a part of IBCA as well. I don't see it happening, not in the immediate future or maybe not even the near future, but one day one can hope that we'll all grow up and, talk like adults and unite and move forward for texas do you do you have lines of communication out to them at all uh or do you see a a united texas barbecue sanctioning body in the next 10 years or less i you know i think it will be less than 10 years uh i think it'll be less than five possibly uh as far as lines of communication no there there's never been any good lines of communications between the organizations and a lot of it was personal. Uh, I, I mean, without going into any detail or all the reasons is personality issues. Um, everybody felt like they were right. And, you know, from their point of view, they probably were, but enough years have gone by. Uh, I mean, Texas Gulf coast split uh, 11 or 12 years ago for whatever reason, Lone Star years before that, Enough times went by. Um, it, it's time to grow up. It really is. It's time to set these differences aside and see if we can work as a barbecue community in Texas. Um, unfortunately, with Lone Star, I mean, we know each other. We've spoken in the past, but as far as a line of communication to that end, to that means, unfortunately, it's not there right now. Craig Sherry joining me here on the show, the executive director of IBCA, uh, also owner of Texas Pepper Jelly. IBCABBQ.org is IBCA's website. TexasPepperJelly.com is Craig's website for business, Craig. So let's uh, go ahead and transition uh, transition over there for uh, for the last couple minutes here. In regards to the business of barbecue and and Texas Pepper Jelly, uh, you know, I remember, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years ago when the first uh, batch of pineapple habanero happened upon my door after probably two years of going, am I really going to buy this? Am I really not going to buy? And it was kind of a, a life-changing product for me, uh, you know, looking now here into 2016, uh, a quarter of the way through it. Uh, are you impressed with yourself and, and how the products have grown? Or does it not surprise you with how popular you've become across barbecue in general? What's your thought on that? You know, having a dream of something being successful and actually seeing it are two different things. When I was dreaming, you know, that I could actually sell this and possibly one day quit my job and make a living uh, and then to actually have it trans- transpire. Uh, May will be three years since I started doing this full time. I'll be honest with you, I, Greg, I'm, I'm blown away with the, with the success. What's really starting to set in with me is it's it's gone from a dream to a success to hopefully something that will be remembered uh, after I've come and gone. The products, uh, the the rub business, 
is a tough business and yep. rugs as we we know are a dime a dozen there's there's literally hundreds if not thousands of rugs out there right uh jelly you know i don't have the market cornered on jelly or pepper jelly there's there's several brands out there and, and there's some some good ones there's some bad ones where the sauce market's the same way if not worse than the rub business um I found my niche. I, I just got lucky. I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you with my product, Rib Candy. Um, it is still unique enough to be original out there. It's uh, not been copied heavily or anywhere yet that I'm aware of, uh, not to say that it won't. Um, but what I've noticed in the winter circles in, in Texas, especially, and I'm starting to see it in other states through my customers and in the KCBS circuit, um, our products are consistently in the top 10 of any contest or most contests any weekend. I'm not going to sit here and tell you we're always first, but my customers have done extremely well from coast to coast, uh, some in the Midwest, uh, all over Texas. And to sit back and look at an event, um, I was looking at the Houston Rodeo here recently with over 400 teams. And they had 24 finalists on the stage and to be able to look down that list and go, wow, 10 of these are customers of mine that are using our product in some shape, form or fashion. That's changed competition barbecue from where I started to where I am today. And that's a feeling that, uh, you know, it, it, I, I don't know how to describe it, Greg. I really don't. It's, it's, it's overwhelming. I feel very blessed and very fortunate. Any new products that we need to be uh, strapped in for coming down the pike? Yeah, I've been been toying with the public. Uh, my customers, I I got to be careful that I don't lose them before I actually bring it out. But <laughs> there there will be an apple and brown sugar habanero um, rib candy. Uh, I'm really I kept telling everybody you know sometime in early February or March, and here we are officially going to April. Um, but I feel like we'll have, have enough product to be able to start offering it sometime in the next few weeks. And, um, uh, that's on the horizon short of that. Um, nothing that that's important enough to talk about it this time, but the apple, it'll be called apple and brown sugar, habanero, and it's a rib candy and it's pretty darn good. Craig, in regards to competitions, uh, where are you going to be at next? I'm headed to a little town outside of Houston over here, Rosenberg. Uh, it's going to be a nice little state championship. Uh, I had the pleasure of cooking it a couple of years ago and did extremely well, so I thought I'd ease back down there and see if I could uh, shake things up a little bit. Craig Sherry is the executive director of the IBCA and, of course, a creator of the very famous Texas Pepper Jelly products. Again, the websites for IBCA is ibcabbq.org, and Texas Pepper Jelly is Texas Pepper jelly.com craig really appreciate the time man thanks so much for coming on tonight greg thank you very much i do appreciate it yeah you got it there he is craig sherry from texas pepper i mean look in full disclosure it really probably took me two years to order and it's probably different now i mean you know maybe it's like 2006 or whatever and i was like dude i one bottle of Texas pepper jelly is X amount, and the shipping for one bottle was like almost as much. And that was before I really understood shipping, and I was like, I can't, I can't buy one or two bottles of this and pay more in shipping than I can for the for the bottle. Well, finally, after a lot of back channel convincing, they're like, dude, just do it. So I did it, and that my favorite flavor is 
uh, pineapple habanero Texas pepper jelly. Strawberry is good too. I've had the blueberry. I've had the strawberry. It, I'm telling you, it was it's the secret in my sauce. So if you haven't tried it yet or you are apprehensive about anything, I'm telling you, it's some of the best stuff that's out there right now. Uh, unsolicited, not a sponsor of the show, by the way. So, I mean, that should tell you how good it is. It's, it's really good. And it's very versatile, too, which I appreciate as uh, somebody who's kind of a foodie. IBCABBQ.org, TexasPepperJelly.com, his uh, two websites to check out. All right, that's going to do it. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with Phil Johnson from Phil the Grill, winning Reno, Nevada, Sam's Club Local. Then we talked with John Nilgis about kale. He's the kale king of Chicago. Kale king of Dakota. Second hour, recap the big Chicago visit with Meathead and Max and Sarah Lynn, AmazingRibs.com. And then we talked with Craig Sherry, IBCA Executive Director, about the ingestion of Texas Gulf Coast and then looking at the future of, is there a possibility of one sanctioning body in Texas? And he said that he thinks it's absolutely realistic to say that in five years or less... There'll be one Texas-sanctioning body. That would be cool to be alive for the conglomerate that would be IBCA over Texas and all of their competition barbecue. That'd be neat. we got a great show lined up next week. Don't forget, the uh, president of 17th State Bruco with the Kolsch. Man, what's with the color? Check that out. New beer sponsor of the show. Proud to have them aboard. We'll learn more about that next week. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.